Finish presents Doctor Who, Short Trips, The Same Face by Julian Richards, read by Katie Manning. Joe had grown disinterested long before the assassination attempt. From what little she learned from the political climate of Samael, this should have been a momentous occasion. Joe had expected something more than a dull man droning on. The initial grandeur of the Samaelian planetary parliament had worn off. All the gilt and the purple marble in the vast debating chamber, unable to lift the tedium of the Prime Minister's words. Perhaps this was how things worked on Samael, Joe thought. Success in a system of government built on assassination might well depend on being dull. At least it might have done before the unstoppable Felicity Morgan had emerged. Joe had only picked up a little since the TARDIS had considerately landed itself in the arrivals hangar for off-world observers of the transition of power. It seemed that Felicity Morgan was set on changing the world of Samael for the better. Principled, honest and charismatic, Morgan had climbed through the political ranks with speed and grace. Now she was poised to replace the Prime Minister himself. It all sounded very impressive to Joe. Joe could see her now, her dark skin standing out among the assembled whiteness of the politicians of Samael. She wasn't especially tall, nor was she especially imposing, but there was an almost tangible aura of authority around her. It was electric, drawing the eye even as she stood silently behind her soon-to-be predecessor, waiting for her chance to speak. The observer's gallery was directly above and behind the government box of the debating chamber. Stairs led up to it, so the Prime Minister could greet visiting dignitaries, or so the dignitaries could descend to make speeches themselves. Joe had an excellent view of both the outgoing Prime Minister and Morgan. There were no other ministers in the box today. All of them were out on the floor of the chamber, among the opposition and the unaffiliated. A gaggle of the Prime Minister's aides clustered at the back of the box, jittery and unsure of how to react to proceedings. Two of Morgan's assistants from the Foreign Office stood in a corner with a calm reassurance their counterparts lacked. The Prime Minister had stepped forward from the box into the pulpit to speak. He was gripping the edge of it so tightly, Joe thought he might tear it off. He looked uncomfortable, his skin sagging and glistening with sweat. She turned her attention instead to the conversation being conducted beside her in the observer's gallery. Including the Doctor and Joe, there were four off-world visitors observing the transition. It was, apparently, the largest number in recent memory. Samael's immediate neighbours, the warring worlds of Barakiel and Raphael, usually alternated which of their ambassadors attended formal events. Now, for the first time in a generation, both ambassadors were in the same room. 
the Barakian ambassador, was sitting to Joe's left. His golden robes of state were flowing over the edge of his seat onto Joe's arm. Joe couldn't think of a suitably diplomatic way to ask him to move them. Even if she had, his mask scared her. It was apparently an important custom of the diplomatic process in the sector that ambassadors between the three worlds wore masks to obscure their individual identities. They spoke for their government, not for themselves, and so they concealed their faces. The Barakian ambassador's mask was fabulously ornate, gold and black metal in the shape of a roaring lion and patterned with swirling lines and stars. By contrast, the Raphaelite ambassador's mask was white like his tunic. It was sculpted in the shape of a butterfly, its wings sweeping back past his face to enclose his entire head. Where his Barakian counterpart had been politely cordial, he had been warmly welcoming to the Doctor and Joe, and it was his conversation with the Doctor that Joe now chose to listen to. And I'll be honest, I doubt my government would have agreed to the initial talks, the ambassador was saying with genuine gratitude in his voice. Given her record when she was minister for war, I was surprised the Barakiel was happy to let her act as impartial mediator. But I don't think any of us will argue with the results. Peace is good for everyone except for those who profit from war, the doctor replied. Well, I hardly think we want their input in the business of diplomacy. The ambassador's comment elicited a smile from the doctor. Joe was glad he seemed to be loosening up a little. He had seemed on edge ever since the TARDIS had landed on Samael, and he refused to tell Joe why. Well... <laughs> That's true, the doctor chuckled, and refreshing to hear honesty from an ambassador. Well, what is an ambassador if not an honest man sent abroad to lie for the good of his country? Now both men laughed outright. Joe was glad the gallery glass was tinted, so no one in the chamber could see them. Looking out to check that no one could see them... She saw the Prime Minister stop talking and a smattering of applause grow to a thunderous cacophony as he stepped back and Morgan took his place. The Doctor and the Raphaelite Ambassador fell quiet as Morgan raised her arms and the chamber fell into silence. Then the new Prime Minister of Samael began to speak. It was an extraordinary speech. She spoke about the future... She spoke about hope. She spoke about peace and prosperity and reaching out for the stars. And as she spoke about a new era of cooperation for the entire sector of space, a single shot rang out and then she fell. The doctor and the Raphaelite ambassador had been on their feet and running for the stairs the moment they heard the shot. Joe hurried after them. The Barakian ambassador lumbering along behind her. Morgan's two assistants were already by her side, pulling her away from the pulpit. 
Out in the chamber, the gunman had been subdued, red uniformed officers dragging him away. The doctor reached Morgan first. Her assistants had helped her to her feet, and Joe could see that the bullet had hit right in the center of her chest. It was a miracle that she was still alive. The doctor seemed to think so too from the way he boggled at it for a moment. We have to get her to hospital, he declared. No. It was Morgan who spoke. Her voice was shaky, but it carried all the authority of her speech. My official residence. Joe thought the doctor was going to argue for a moment. Please. The doctor's eyes narrowed at that, but he nodded. Joe didn't remember much of the journey to the minister's official residence, a rather grand manor house near the edge of the city. It wasn't far, and the ministerial hovercar had got them there in a matter of minutes. The Barakian ambassador had stayed at the parliament, but the Raphaelite ambassador helped Joe and the doctor support Morgan all the way to the house. When they arrived, the minister's male assistant had held the door open while her female assistant quickly ushered them through to the main entrance hall. Joe had barely had time to take in the strangely sterile and futuristic interior of the house before Morgan had pulled herself away from those supporting her, staggered forward a few steps and fallen to her knees. Before anyone could react to this, she exploded. Joe could think of no other way to describe what she was seeing. Morgan was exploding, golden energy firing out from her hands and her face as she screamed. The Raphaelite ambassador jerked back, his face invisible behind his mask, but clearly shocked. Joe moved to help Morgan, but the doctor held her back. He didn't seem to be at all surprised at what was happening. Then it all stopped. The energy faded away and Morgan collapsed forward, hugging her chest and shaking. After a moment, Joe realized she was laughing. Morgan's assistants rushed to her side, helping her to her feet. One of them took something from her. Joe realized it was the bullet. Morgan turned around, her laughter fading, but still grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> that was a close one, she giggled, seemingly addressing the room at large. Thank goodness it missed both my hearts. I'm sorry, I'm a bit giddy after... Well, <laughs> you know. Her grin suddenly dropped as her gaze alighted on the doctor. She took in his grave expression and seemed to realise something else as well. Oh, you're a... a have you come to arrest me? She asked, her voice now carrying a note of fear. Joe looked at the doctor. His face was as grave as Joe had ever seen it. Have you come to take me back to Gallifrey? Morgan asked. Her female assistant moved to place herself between Morgan and the doctor. But Morgan waved her aside. 
The doctor didn't move at all. Your appearance hasn't changed, he said in a monotone, quite unlike his usual passionate self. You still have the same face. How do you still have the same face? It's called regeneration, Joe explained to the Raphaelite ambassador. They were sitting in a pleasant little lounge just off a very nice kitchen with a cup of tea each and the minister's assistants hovering at the edges, unsure of what to do with themselves. The doctor was still in the entrance hall, exchanging angry whispers with Morgan. The assistants both seemed to know enough of Morgan's abilities to not pay Joe much attention, but the ambassador was listening carefully, and Joe was quietly very pleased at being the one to explain things for once. It's something the doctor's people, the Time Lords, can do as a way to sort of cheat death. The thing is, it's supposed to change how you look. You know, when I met the other doctors from before he changed, they looked quite different. That is truly fascinating, said the ambassador, stroking the line of his mouth with his index finger. In the way Joe had realised, opened the mask to allow him to drink. And thank you, Miss Josephine, for so clear and concise an explanation. He raised his cup in a small toast to her before taking a sip. He set it down on the table and stroked his thumb across his mouth to seal the mask again. You're welcome, said Joe, with a modest smile that masked her happiness at the small compliment. What I don't understand is why the doctor is so angry about it. Because it's dangerous, delusional and downright wrong, the doctor exclaimed as he strode into the room. The Raphaelite ambassador calmly held his tea up for the doctor, who took it without looking at him. Thank you, he muttered as graciously as he could before swigging the cup back and draining it in a single gulp. Morgan was standing in the doorway now, leaning against it with her arms crossed and a smirk on her lips. An incredibly foolish piece of genetic tinkering on the part of the CIA. Not your CIA, Joe, he hastily clarified, seeing the confusion on Joe's face. The Celestial Intervention Agency, an organization of time lords dedicated to interference and underhand activities, an awful collection of arrogant, self-righteous fanatics. Which is why I left them, Morgan interrupted, before the doctor could continue his rant. I ran away here, created the Felicity Morgan identity, and slipped into Samalite politics. I've been here as minister in one form or another since. I'm as much a renegade as you, doctor. That's why I thought you'd come to arrest me, before I realised just... Who you were. Whether you're using this technique for them or for yourself doesn't change the risks associated with it, the doctor retorted. 
All it would take is a single imbalance in the telepathic circuits of your TARDIS. My TARDIS is perfectly balanced, as you can see, Doctor. Morgan gestured around them as she replied. Joe looked around, wondering where the minister's TARDIS was, and noticed the round panels in the walls for the first time. This is your TARDIS, she asked hesitantly. Morgan nodded. The entire ministerial residence. It has been since I first took office in Samael's government. She has done good work. Everyone turned to look at the minister's female assistant, who seemed surprised to hear her own voice. She kept talking anyway. Felicity, the minister's done great things for Samael. She's revolutionized politics here. Before she became Minister of Fisheries, no one had ever held a government position longer than two months without being assassinated or promoted to replace someone who had been assassinated. The Minister's changed all that. I don't doubt you've done good work, the Doctor admitted grudgingly. Joe couldn't help being even more impressed at Morgan's achievements. How did you manage it? she asked. Reforming an entire political system, a political culture like that. It must have been incredibly difficult. It was easier than you think, Morgan told her with practiced modesty. The right reform bills introduced at the right time, encouraging the people to stand up for their right to be governed. And survival, I assume added the Raphaelite ambassador. I take it today was not your first brush with death. The doctor stared at him for a moment before whirling to face Morgan with an accusing stare. Morgan wilted slightly under the intensity of the doctor's gaze, but only slightly. The minister has survived attempts on her life every time she has taken new office the minister's male assistant calmly stated. Today was the ninth attempt, at which point the doctor lost his temper. Joe was eventually able to calm the doctor, enough for him to accept that Morgan had a speech to finish. While he had been in full flow, the ambassador had slipped away to find himself a fresh cup of tea. The minister's assistants had disappeared briefly to inform the public of Morgan's survival. Now they were making their way back to the parliament. Morgan walked ahead, smiling and waving at the crowds, cheering her name, stopping to talk to the people as she passed. The doctor stalked angrily behind her. Joe talked with the minister's assistants as she followed. They wouldn't tell her their names. Civil service anonymity to the public, apparently another cultural quirk, like the ambassadorial masks. The minister's male assistant was quiet and withdrawn, and kept glancing ahead at Morgan with a clear concern. Occasionally, he would drop little comments and observations that revealed a wry sense of humour and fun that he'd then desperately tried to conceal again with faux professionalism. The minister's female assistant 
was much more comfortable with informality, gushing at length about Morgan's greatness and achievements. Joe learned the two had been with Morgan since she first entered government, moving with her from the Ministry of Fisheries to Agriculture, and from there through to the Ministries of Housing, Environment, Health, Education, War and Industry, before she reached the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Diplomacy. Jo found herself growing to like both of her companions and developing even more respect for Morgan. She also noticed that whenever she referred to Morgan by name, her assistants always pointedly called her the minister in response. Jo wondered if this was another aspect of Samael's political traditions, but the minister's female assistant told her that it wasn't. It was, so Morgan had told her assistants after her first regeneration, her real name. Jo jogged forward to catch up to the minister and asked her about it. Everyone seems to pick some kind of title when they run away from Gallifrey, she admitted, glancing awkwardly at the doctor as she did. The doctor snorted, seemingly unimpressed with this. It seemed like a good idea when those two asked me who I really was. I like it, Joe told her. The minister nodded a polite thanks, blushing slightly as she did. Morgan re-entered the chamber to rapturous applause. She stood in the doorway for a moment, soaking it in with a smile on her face. Then she strode across the chamber to the government box. The outgoing Prime Minister waited at the bottom of the steps leading up to it. Morgan took his hand, shaking it warmly before folding her predecessor into a one-armed embrace, their hands still grasped together. Then she turned and waved for the doctor, Joe and her assistants, to follow her up into the box. The minister's assistants took their position in the shadows of the corner, and the doctor took a place in the opposite corner, still brooding. Joe joined him, tentatively touching his arm to check he was all right. He looked down at her and smiled reassuringly before returning his angry gaze to Morgan. I'm... Worried about her, Joe, he whispered. It's not safe. Whatever she thinks, it can't be safe. Morgan had reached the pulpit now. She stepped forward, holding her hands up in an appeal for quiet. The chamber eventually relented and she lowered her hands. At the risk of making this a habit, she said, I'm afraid I must inform you that reports of my death were greatly exaggerated. Laughter echoed around the chamber, and then the new Prime Minister of Samael began her speech. It wasn't the same speech. It took Joe a while to realise it, but it wasn't the same speech. She'd not heard much of the speech Morgan had given the first time, of course, but there was a definite change. That first speech had been full of hope and high achievement about reaching for the stars and cooperation across the entire sector of space. This speech was grounded. It was still hopeful, still inspiring, but the focus had turned from the stars to Samael itself. 
Something had changed in Morgan herself, too. Her delivery was a little firmer, a little steelier. There was less playing to the crowd, less showmanship. Joe looked over at the new Prime Minister's assistants. They didn't seem to be surprised. Joe shuffled across the box to them. She's changed, Joe whispered to the Prime Minister's female assistant. She always does, the Prime Minister's female assistant replied. She doesn't realise it. At least we don't think she does. But she always changes. It's not much. She's still her. She's just rebalanced. She fits herself to the office, the Prime Minister's male assistant whispered without looking away from Morgan. Pragmatism, idealism, focus, fun, they all realign to best fit the role she's about to take on. The Minister for War brings Samael into the conflict, aiding Raphael against a Barakian aggression and pushing it back to a stalemate. The Minister for Industry sees both sides as customers for aid and for weapons. The Minister for Foreign Affairs sues for peace. It's part of how she does so well. Joe looked back over at the Prime Minister. Morgan had just made a joke and a ripple of laughter was spreading through the chamber. Morgan allowed herself a small chuckle and then she froze. The smile died on her face and her eyes widened. She glanced back at her assistants, and Joe felt both of them tense up. Morgan turned away. The moment passed and resumed her speech. A few seconds later, she froze again. This time, she started to breathe heavily, as if she was scared. She looked around the chamber, then she just stopped breathing. The breath caught in her throat as she stared around, panicked. A second later, she resumed again, her voice shaking, and she started to stammer. There were concerned whispers floating up from the chamber now. With the ongoing war, Morgan started, then stopped herself, mumbling. No, no, it, it stopped, hasn't it? Has it? Before clutching at her throat and... Gasping for air again, her hands moved up to her face as she screamed. The doctor was by her side in an instant. The Prime Minister pushed him away, falling to her knees and gasping before angrily pounding the floor. Who are you? She roared at him. Who are you, doctor? She realised even as she said it. Doctor, you're the Doctor! She looked up at him pleadingly, then turned to her assistants. Goddess! She gasped. I need my TARDIS! The doctor bent down, helping Morgan to her feet. The Prime Minister's assistants rushed to support her, and the doctor glanced at Joe as they took Morgan from him. He didn't say that this was exactly what he had feared would happen. Joe could read all that in his face. 
the Prime Minister's residence was alive with flashing red lights as the assistants helped Morgan through to the living room. Joe saw the Raphaelite ambassador emerging from the kitchen. I left my pass here, he told her as he joined her and the doctor. When I got here, everything started flashing like this. There's some kind of console downstairs with all kinds of emergency warnings flashing on it. I have to get down there, the doctor exclaimed. Ambassador, I need you to take me there right away. Shouldn't we see to the minister? the ambassador asked, looking worriedly after Morgan and her assistants. The prime minister, now, I suppose. She looked. The doctor cut him off. She'll get worse unless I fix the problem with her TARDIS, he told the ambassador, before turning to Joe and telling her to look after Morgan while he repaired the damage. Before Joe could object, the doctor was racing away towards the stairs with the Raphaelite ambassador in tow. They had laid Morgan down on a couch in the living room. The Prime Minister's female assistant was kneeling beside her, holding her hand and doing her best to calm her down. Her male assistant was pacing agitatedly along the length of the room. Joe knelt down beside the Prime Minister's female assistant. She's forgetting, she told Joe. I mean, she's remembering some things, but only for a moment. Here and there, it's like she's lost in her own mind. It's... She looked away, choking back a sob. It's awful. It's tragic. It's wrong. We need to go, the Prime Minister's male assistant had stopped pacing. His fists were clenched tightly, and Joe could see tears in his eyes. We have to control the story, reassure them that she's... that. That she's all... He trailed off. The Prime Minister's female assistant looked helplessly at Joe. Go, Joe told her. I can look after her. Joe wasn't sure how long she had been sitting with Morgan. The Prime Minister lay tossing and turning on the couch, muttering about trade tariffs and fishing quotas and troop movements. She seemed scared and in pain. And Joe didn't know what to do to help, so she just knelt there beside her, holding her hand. Suddenly, Morgan's other hand whipped round and grabbed her wrist. Joe stifled a cry of surprise. Morgan stared up at her, eyes blazing with anger. Then the anger gave way to sorrow and her grip relaxed. Please, she whimpered, tell me who I am. Before Joe could answer her, the Raphaelite ambassador burst into the room. Come, quickly, Miss Grant, he called out, gasping for breath. The doctor, he's hurt. Joe looked helplessly down at Morgan. I'll stay with her, the ambassador promised. The doctor needs you. Joe didn't hesitate any longer. She raced from the room towards the staircase, down to Morgan's TARDIS console room, wondering as she did what had happened to the doctor, silently pleading that he would be all right. 
Behind her, the ambassador moved swiftly to Morgan's side. Morgan looked up at his impassive butterfly mask. Can you tell me, she asked hopefully, can you tell me who I am? Of course I can, minister, he replied, but I need you to trust me. Joe met the doctor on the stairs. Joe, he exclaimed, confusion and worry in his voice. Are you all right? Are you all right? She replied. The ambassador said you'd been hurt. I've been a complete fool, the doctor shouted, seemingly ignoring Joe. I should have realised far sooner. As it is, we may be too late. You are Felicity Morgan, servant of the people of Samael. The ambassador's voice was soft and soothing. Morgan found herself drifting slowly towards calmness. Your memories are scrambled, but I can help you. I need you to focus on a single time, a single day. Can you do that for me? I... I... I can try, Morgan murmured. Her eyelids felt heavy. The ambassador nodded. I need you to remember, he told her. Remember the day you became the Minister of War. That didn't seem right. Morgan tried to speak up, to tell him time had passed, but he laid a gentle finger against her lips. Don't talk, he said, reaching up with his other hand to remove his butterfly mask. Just remember, please, do as I say. I need you to trust me. His eyes were shining with authority, Morgan found herself staring into them, unable to look away, certain that she could trust him. I need you to trust me, to do as I say, to obey me. The ambassador's mouth split into a small smile, framed by his dark beard. You will obey me. I am the master, and you will obey me. By the time Joe and the doctor reached the living room, Morgan and the master had gone. He must have had some kind of psychic cloak built into his mask, the doctor explained as they rushed back towards the main doors. I didn't realise it was him until I saw the telepathic circuits of the minister's TARDIS. Deliberate sabotage. So targeted that only a time lord could have done it. But what does he want? Joe asked. They'd reached the main doors now and could look out across the city towards the parliament building. 
I suggest we ask him that ourselves, the doctor replied, pointing away from the Parliament building. The receding figures of Morgan and the Master were clear, running towards a dark and foreboding complex that Joe remembered from their brief tour of the city before entering the planetary parliament. That's the military control building, she whispered. The doctor nodded. Without saying another word, the two ran after the fleeing Time Lords. The master appeared to have been expecting them when they caught up with him. It really was a most unexpected surprise to see you, doctor the master said with a friendly smile as he levelled his tissue compression eliminator at his old friend, the military command building gates rising behind him. I did enjoy our chance to catch up. How long have you been impersonating the Raphaelite ambassador? The doctor asked, ignoring the master's false pleasantries. Joe looked from the master to Morgan who was standing beside him with a cold glare and a steeliness Joe wasn't used to. <laughs> but my dear doctor, I am the ambassador, the master replied. I've been a part of the Raphaelite government for years now. Oh, it's so much easier to spark and sustain a war from the inside. The peace treaty was unexpected which is why I came over here to Samael, to see what I could do to stop it. So, you sabotaged Morgan's TARDIS and induced her breakdown, the doctor concluded. Well, <laughs> first, I had to hire an assassin so she'd be forced to lead me to it, the master admitted. Once I'd realised she was a Time Lord and the trick she was pulling with her regenerations, it seemed the obvious plan. But why? The doctor asked, warily eyeing the master's weapon. Good grief, man. What did you hope to achieve? Joe remembered what the Prime Minister's assistants had said to her about the way Morgan had changed after each assassination attempt. She thinks she's Minister of War, doesn't she? Joe blurted out. Morgan turned sharply to look at her, she mouthed the word, thinks, uncertainly. When she was Minister of War, she brought Samael into the war, Joe continued. You wanted to do it again. That's what all this is about. The master nodded appreciatively. Quite correct, Miss Grant, he said. Samael will join Raphael in a final assault on the planet Barakiel. And I shall end up ruling all three worlds. One as triumphant conqueror, one as patriotic hero, and one, through my dear friend here, an ideal power base for further expansion. Are you really going to let him use you like this? Joe asked Morgan. Now, Miss Grant, I really don't think you should be talking to the minister like that the master chided, turning his weapon to point at her instead of the doctor. Joe ignored him. I know you're confused, she said, looking Morgan directly in the eye. I know you're scared and you need answers and he's offered them to you. Joe, the doctor sounded nervous. Joe ignored him too. You know who you are, 
she told Morgan. You've always known it. It doesn't matter how much you change, how your personality shifts, even if your face changes, you're still the same person. You still want the same thing. The doctor and the master were both looking nervous now. Morgan took a step towards Joe. What do I want? she asked. Who am I? You want to make a difference, Joe told her. You want to make things better. You're the minister. The prime minister smiled. She nodded. Yes, she said quietly. I rather think I am. And then she launched herself at the master, knocking the tissue compression eliminator from his hand. The doctor quickly kicked it away. The Prime Minister roared in anger and pain, clutching her head as she had in the chamber before collapsing to the ground. The master had disappeared in the brief moments when the doctor and Joe had been tending to the Prime Minister. By the time they'd got her back to her TARDIS, she was lucid, though still weak, and readily agreed when the doctor said he'd need to place a psychic block in her mind to remove her ability to control her regenerations in order to protect her sanity. The Prime Minister's assistants were waiting for them and stayed with Joe to watch her while the doctor repaired the TARDIS. By the time the doctor had finished, the Prime Minister was back to her usual self. <laughs> it was lucky you were here, she laughed when the doctor had finished placing the barriers in her mind. Otherwise, I'd have given this whole sector of space to the Master, wrapped up in a bow. Maybe you should call yourself the Minister of Luck now her male assistant offered, before quickly trying to pretend he hadn't said anything and reclaim his usual air of professional detachment. No, you wouldn't, the doctor told the Prime Minister. You'd have broken free of him on your own soon enough. You care too much, the Prime Minister nodded. I've done good, haven't I? she asked, looking to her assistants. I'll try to do more as well, obviously. But it'll all have to end someday, won't it? The doctor shook his head. Each end is just a new beginning, he told her. The Prime Minister smiled. I suppose it will be now, she said. I'll miss it, you know, being Felicity Morgan. But even when the time comes... When I stop wearing the same face, I won't stop being the minister. No, Joe agreed. You won't. And then she and the doctor said their farewells and left them to make their world a better place.